Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Tuesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and you. Text line always open for you at 46862. Again, 46862. Just put in CK for your question, comment, rant. Uh, I'm sure we will rant about an NFL team here in just a bit. But thanks for being with us on the show. Morning, Justin. Hello, Mr. Hatch. How are we on a Tuesday? Oh, we're phenomenal. How about you? Doing all right. Just all right? Yeah, just all right. Okay. You know. Not spectacular. No. Not bad. Just just all right. Meaty part of the curve. Yes. In the middle. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, today on the show, we will talk Jim Harbaugh, bizarre press conference. Oh, America's team. Ugh. We'll uh, have that audio for you later this hour. Also, Purdue holds off an undermanned Xavier. And the Pac-12 sends a parting shot for Notre Dame-Stanford. If you missed this yesterday, uh, prepare the outrage now. And also in hour number two, uh, Purdue is answering their biggest questions so far based on, well, some of the numbers, some of the concerns we had going into the season with this team. Also, Peyton Manning, um, speaking of Monday Night Football, which we'll get to here momentarily, uh, he pulled something that I think is pretty funny. That's actually one of my pet peeves, but he gets away with it for obvious reasons. But we'll play that clip. And we'll be joined by Jeremy Evans, a sports lawyer, host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast, talk about the Jim Harbaugh suspension from a legal perspective. Obviously, there's a hearing coming up later on this week, and I'll give us the lowdown on what's going on in that process. And, uh, you know, we've all made mistakes at our jobs. But I don't think we've made a $100,000 mistake Ooh. at our job. So we'll get to that um, before uh, we leave you today. Don't worry, though. It's a government job. So really, does the mistake matter? I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> just the fact that you lost that much money. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get to that. Plus, IU Michigan State tickets giveaway. We have another four pack today. Uh, so yesterday, the word was spittoon. Uh, let's go with Spartans. So text Spartans to 46862. Again, Spartans to 46862. You can win a four-pack of IU versus Michigan State tickets for the Old Brass Spittoon Saturday. Noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium down in Bloomington. All right, Monday Night Football time, and and, and it's, it's past time, right? It is past time to call out the Bills. To call out Josh Allen, the Bills dropped to five and five, a loss to the once lowly Broncos, who are now four and five. Very much uh, in the thick of you know maybe a five hundred season, perhaps better. They've beaten the Bills, they've beaten the Chiefs. Things have completely turned around for Buffalo. But Josh Allen, some more backbreaking interceptions. Uh, is this a case that? He had a really, really good year a couple years ago, and then is is regressed back. Is it a case of that offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, being gone? Or is it a case of him trying to do too much because there's not enough around him or a combination? I feel like it's a combination. Combination, but I also think Josh Allen is just that quarterback. That quarterback, that's he's Brett Favre without the resume in terms of a championship and getting to Super Bowls. Josh Allen just takes too many chances. He's way too haphazard. With the football, turned it over three times again last night. Buffalo has turned the ball over in the opening play of the game twice this season, and the entire rest of the NFL combined has done it twice. 
but I'm I'm over the Bills. If this was New York, this would be a story every single day with the Buffalo Bills. Three straight years winning the AFC East, four straight years of double-digit wins, and have not even been able to get to a Super Bowl, yet alone win one. And you look at Sean McDermott as, as praised as one of the best coaches in the NFL. Josh Allen praised as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They're just not getting it done. And Josh Allen, he's, he's, he's flirting with that Dak Prescott and uh, that line of you're good, but you're not good enough in crunch time. I wouldn't compare it to Dak Prescott. I, I mean, Josh Allen is several slots on the rankings ahead of Dak you Prescott. You think so? Yes. I don't think so. Not the way Josh Allen's playing. I mean, when he in terms of versatility, maybe. But, but you're taking Josh Allen over Dak Prescott 10 out of 10 times. Are you? Yes. I don't know if I am. Not with those turnovers. Dak Prescott can't do anything in the postseason either. Then I well, get, that's like, what I'm saying. They're like, on the same level in that respect. I mean, I Josh Allen either. can win playoff games. Well, so can Dak. Dak's won a couple playoff games. He can't win the big games, and neither can Josh Allen. That's why I'm saying they're comparable. They're comparable because neither one of them can get to a Super Bowl. Here's the thing. The window has closed on Buffalo in this current iteration of the roster. Like, I, I think that is clear. They're not suddenly going to rip off seven straight wins and, and be one of the best teams in football to close out the year. They are what they are. And, and last night, it was a loss in a game in which they actually had a running game, run for 192 yards, which has usually been the problem the last several years, that Josh Allen's the only threat to run. He only ran for 13 yards and a touchdown. It, but it's, it, it always comes back to his mistakes. It's the reason why they're losing these games. And his ability to extend plays, but also, I mean, 11 picks on the year, that's, that's double that's a problem. That's Prescott, by the way. I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, that's the big issue with Josh Allen is his interceptions, his turnovers come at the worst possible time. And it, where I put Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen in the same category is they're not good enough in big games. And I think that's that's you can't argue against that. And Josh Allen, not even last night being a big game, I'm just saying in, in the playoffs. But last night was a new low. For the Buffalo Bills, and, and and I'm with you. I think that 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 window has closed. They wasted prime years for multiple players and domination in the AFC. And it doesn't just go well. They couldn't beat the Chiefs. That was two years. They lose to the Bengals last year. I think in 2019 they lost to the Texans in overtime. So it's not oh it's because of the Chiefs. It's because they're just not good enough. Josh Allen not good enough. Sean McDermott, not good enough. And because it's Buffalo, they don't get the national criticism that a big market franchise would, but it's every bit as deserved. It's it's just a team that is underachieved in its window to win championships. And now at five and five, you can you can argue, as you said this morning, that window is closed. You know, it's interesting. He leads the league in interceptions thrown at 11. Now, uh, the other thing, though, is he is third, uh, actually tied for second in the league in completion percentage. Would you happen to guess who's number one in completion percentage? In completion percentage? Yeah. Uh, 
I will say. We just talked about him. Oh, really? Dak Prescott? Yeah. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. 70% of his passes? uh, Yeah. All three are above 70%. So to put that in. But is that crazy, though? He's 70% plus, but yet leads the league in interceptions throw. It just. Those stats don't line up. You factor in those interceptions. He could be be number one. I just. uh, Josh Allen is. Is. Is Brett Favre, but Brett Favre had proven he could win a championship. But you took, well, he's going to make some stupid throws and stupid decisions over the course of the game, but he's going to win you some important games. Josh Allen can't do that. Josh Allen can't get his team over the hump and get him to a Super Bowl. He yep. threw 14 interceptions last year. You know who threw more? We just talked about him. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott threw 15. <laughs> <laughs> no figure. Uh, a couple of texts rolling in at 46862. Uh, CK, give Denver some credit. One of the better defensive teams these last four games. Yeah, their defense finally started playing the way we thought they'd play from the start of the year. That certainly helped a lot. And Russell Wilson has figured it back out in in Sean Payton's offensive system. It's a team that just needed a little bit to figure it out. And I don't think Denver's now all of a sudden a contender in the AFC. But they could be 8-9, that kind of team. Yeah, and I don't think anyone would be shocked from by where that. they started this season is would be stunning phenomenal. because they were one of the worst teams. But they they forced four turnovers last night. A couple weeks ago, they forced five against the Chiefs. So that defense playing very well. But Buffalo, who's supposed to be one of the premier teams in the entire NFL, now five and five on the season. A couple other texts rolling in. CK, if I had to start one of the two quarterbacks in a big game right now, it would be Dak. Josh Allen wasn't good last year; has been worse this year. Well, I can't disagree. With the second part of his statement, I still would choose Josh Allen over Dak because he is more of a playmaker and can can do things with his arm and with his legs. It's tough to compartmentalize and and, and break down Dak and Josh Allen, but over the past four games for Dak Prescott, he has thrown 12 touchdowns and just two interceptions. He's been very, very good for Dallas over the past month. Since that that uh game at San Francisco where they got absolutely destroyed. <laughs> well and that and that's that is the exact reason why I would choose Josh Allen over Dak because in a big game, right. you know Dak's not showing up at all. I mean he showed up in the Philly game and they lost, but he played mm-hmm. really he well. Did play but well I'm, then. I'm still not buying Dak Prescott in the in say the NFC championship game, much like I'm not buying Josh Allen in the AFC championship game. And that's where I find the similarities between the two. But right now, the way they're playing, yeah, Dak Prescott's playing better football right now. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, but I'd still choose Josh Allen over Dak. A few other texts. Uh, CK, some bad football going on in the NFL this year, especially the quarterback position. I thought about this. Is it is it bad football, the quarterback position, because it's bad, or is it because you have a combination of rookies and then a lot of injuries at the quarterback position, and so you don't have some of the normal guys out there? I I think it's it's the I I was thinking about this yesterday because I was going well Josh Allen I wouldn't pick him to win a playoff game for me and then I'm thinking well who would I pick and there are very few quarterbacks yeah. that I would look at and say yeah I trust this guy in the playoffs I trust Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. Joe Burrow Joe Burrow and that's uh, the list for and, me yeah, for, for, honestly I mean seriously you're looking at it and I I guess uh, I think I would trust Jalen Hurts. And this isn't they win all their playoffs, but they've they've proven they can win the big games for me. I would put Jalen Hurts in there, and that's it. That's the three. 
I want to put like a Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts in there, but I I just can't yet. I mean, Jalen Hurts has gotten to a Super Bowl. He has. Joe Burrow's gotten to a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes has gotten to multiple and won multiple. So that's my list right now. Tua? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. no. Um, Brock Purdy? No. No, not yet. Lamar Jackson? No. Trevor uh, Lawrence? Like you mentioned? No, not yet. Um, Another text of 46862. Allen seems lazy and disinterested, disinterested this year. Bad combo. I, I don't know. I just... Part of it's just the the gunslinger playing style can look good when you're playing well, and it looks really bad when you're not. His versatility is what makes him so coveted in the NFL because he can run, but his passing just doesn't do it for him. He continues to just make befuddling, stupid decisions. He's well on his way. I mean, he's already double-digit interceptions. He's well on his way to throw 20 picks this year at this point, which just it's unacceptable. But I don't know. Uh, Buffalo's not very good. Would you trust Russell Wilson if Denver made it? A text rolling in. In the playoffs? Yeah. Um, no. Not anymore. Yeah. I, th- I think that time I, I think Russell Wilson has proven that he has more to give than what we saw last year. In the first half of this year. Yes. I just don't think that Russell Wilson is on that list of guys that I'm trusting in the playoffs. Plenty of texts on Monday Night Football. Elsewhere on headlines this morning in Major League Baseball. No surprises as far as uh, who got rewarded with the Rookie of the Year. Corbin Carroll uh, won for the uh, what the NL. And yep, then National League. Um, for the AL, it was the Orioles' Gunnar Henderson. Again, the guy's very deserving winning those titles. Gunnar Henderson, first Orioles player to win the award since 1989, Corbin Carroll, the first ever Arizona Diamondback. The managers of the year will be d- d- uh, announced today. Cy Young's Wednesday MVPs on Thursday. Corbin Carroll was legit, and it was unanimous on both sides. Yes, which is which is really really surprising. Gutter Henderson got all 30 votes in the AL, and Corbin Carroll all 30 votes in the National League. Guys. Of note in the um, in the National League, uh, Matt McClain for the Reds was fifth. Spencer Steer for the Reds was sixth. Ellie De La Cruz was seventh in the AL. Or in the AL, we're looking at uh, Tanner Beebe was second for the Guardians, finishing up. But it was no contest. Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll, your rookies of the year. In college football, San Diego State football coach Brady Hoke will retire after the season. Of course, former Michigan coach, former Ball State coach as well uh, for San Diego State. I, I mean, he's he had a good run there. They've had a tough year, though. They've lost three straight. They're three and seven on the year. I kept forgetting that Brady Hoke was still playing. Coaching? Was still coaching. And then I'd see a random San Diego State game. And I was like, oh, I'm still there. But 17-year um, coaching career it feels kind of like a hey why don't you just retire so we don't have to can you <laughs> it's kind of felt like because san diego state is a, a team proud that, program it is and it has it has vision i mean it was when the pac-12 was still a thing was trying to get into the pac-12 and even told the mountain west that it was leaving for the pac-12 and the pac-12 was like well we haven't really invited you in so they kind of had to uh, backtrack, but yeah, it's a proud program that that has 
higher expectations of what we've seen from the Aztecs. Purdue freshman Dylan Thieneman has been named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week once again. Uh, that's the fourth time this year uh, for the Westfield native and for Thieneman. I mean, if you look at the future of Purdue, you got to subtract this year. And the secondary uh, with Thieneman back there, he's going to be one of the key players again next season. Um, he's the only defensive player in the big in Big Ten history to win the award four times. He joins uh, wide receiver Rondale Moore of Purdue, David Bell also of Purdue. He's the only Boilers to be four time Big Ten Freshman of the Week honorees. He led Purdue in tackles for the sixth time in that win over Minnesota last Saturday. He's been very good, and he and not only is he playing well, he's become really a leader on the back end, which is is very surprising in terms of how young he is, but he has been absolutely steady, leads the nation uh, in tackles by a freshman, solo tackles, interceptions, forced fumbles, and he is uh, named, he has been a semi, he is a semi-finalist for the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award, only Big Ten player up for the honor. So uh, a, a, a valuable asset from the jump for Thieneman in West Lafayette. And Denver Nuggets coach Michael Malone has agreed on a contract extension that'll make him one of the NBA's highest paid coaches. That happened yesterday. No surprise that he gets that. Uh, I mean, someone's got to catch up to Monty Williams' money, right? <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> it's got just, to. just the the weirdest uh, thing that he has that mega contract uh, in the NBA. And then elsewhere, back here in Fort Wayne, the Tin Caps uh, off season renovations continue. Uh, they're now working on. New sod for 2024. Uh, it is, in fact, starting today, the new sod installation. And they got great weather to do it with 60-degree yeah. temperatures for most of the week. 18 truckloads ah. of four-foot-wide maxi rolls, that's what they're called, rolled in over the course of the next three days from Wisconsin. Uh, it is Mountain View 365 SS Bluegrass. Ah, yes, that SS Bluegrass <laughs> is supposed to be the best. I wonder if this has been always been timed this way and they're just lucking out with the weather because I can't imagine they're going to be, they would be trying to plant sod if it was 20 degrees out. No. Right? So no, I don't think I so. I wonder if it was like, hey, look at the weather. Let's try to do this. But uh should be all ready to go come, I think it's April 5th is opening day. I believe the tin caps. I believe so. And the, the, this uh, central Wisconsin sod where they're, where they're getting it from also produced grass for Wrigley Field in Chicago. So there you go. Not too bad. First renovation of the playing surface uh, due to um, updated MLB specifications. Again, MLB taking over minor league baseball, so that's why they're upgrading the playing surface. Makes sense. Absolutely. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, don't forget to text SPARTAN to 46862. Uh, again, SPARTAN to 46862 or SPARTANS. I don't really care. Either one. Uh, to 46862, you could win a four-pack of tickets to IU and Michigan State for the Old Brass Platoon coming up on Saturday at Memorial Stadium, noon kickoff down in Bloomington. It is supposed to be, let's see, Saturday, sunny and 54 in Bloomington. That's that's actually cooler. It was yeah, cloudy and 60. Yeah, now we're just supposed to get the 60s through Friday. Friday, the rain's going to come in and kind of cool things off. But still, sunny in 54 for mid-November. Going to see the Hoosiers and the potential swan song of Tom Allen. Let's do it. Let's go.
You never know. Uh, a couple of other texts on Josh Allen. Other than Mahomes and Burrow, nobody's going to a Super Bowl without a stacked team around them. Guys like Herbert are watching guys like Allen with that team and probably losing their mind. No, I, I in yeah. terms of you mentioning the fact that the window is closing, that's not all on Josh Allen. It's the players around him with Stephon Diggs in his prime and guys like that. And Buffalo to not even get to a Super Bowl over the last four years is mind-boggling, and they're well on their way to not doing that. I mean, th- at 5-5, five and five, there's no guarantee they make the playoffs at this point. Would that get Sean McDermott fired in yes. Buffalo? Yes, it should. It should. So, I don't know. I think there's some serious questions to ask about Buffalo. And if it was New York or L.A., these questions would be asked every single day. Yeah, Dallas. These would be asked daily on the sports talk shows nationally and and on television. But it's Buffalo, and nobody's kind of really paying attention. But it's been if you're talking about disappointing teams so far this season, Buffalo's at the top of the list. And uh, one other thought. Uh, Josh Allen reminds me of Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec. Both make dumb decisions. <laughs> they kind of look alike. I can't disagree there. <laughs> kind of, uh, it's very disagree. true. That's funny, though. Uh, all right. So, Purdue basketball. Uh, first real test of the season last night. And I don't even think this was Purdue's best effort. I mean, this wasn't their best performance that we've seen. And yet, they still come away with a double-digit win over your Xavier in the Gavit Games, winning 83-71 to last night at Mackey Arena. Zach Eady leading the way, 28 points, 11 rebounds. A lot of his buckets coming late in this game. Braden Smith with 12, uh, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. Fletcher Lawyer with 11. I think the other notable performance, you have Lance Jones with 8, Miles Colvin with 9. If Miles Colvin can be the threat, and he went 3 of 3 from distance, if he can be that, that player, that threat to come in off the bench, this gives Purdue kind of a new dynamic that they were severely lacking last year. Well, and he came up big last night because Xavier continued to make run after run after run. And the the probably the latest one was, at, what was it, about the seven-minute mark left in the second mm-hmm. half. And then... They cut it to five. Yeah, and then you had a, a Zach Eady dunk. And then it was Colvin from the wing with a three that really capped that run, pushed the lead back to 14, and that was it with about six minutes to go. But as you mentioned, Colvin, three of three from range, and he was what you would hope to get from him. He doesn't have to be a dude that averages double digits and points. I I think if, if he did, that'd be sensational for Purdue, but he doesn't have to be that guy. He needs to come in, he needs to hit some shots, he needs to give some energy, and really be a dude where he, you don't lose much when he goes on the floor as a freshman. And, and adds, of course, that athleticism and maybe a different dynamic that the majority of the starting lineup with Purdue doesn't have. But he was all that last night and key for Purdue in holding off a, a shorthanded Xavier team. I didn't expect this game to be as close as it was, yet... Um, Spoilers really pulled away when they needed to. And I don't think the fact that it was closer than we expected because Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter were out for Xavier. I don't think that was an indictment on Purdue. I think it's more that Xavier played really well and they played did. really tough. And and they knew they were going to have to without those two guys. And they came in and they could have easily cashed it in and said, we don't have those two dudes and, and we don't have a shot in this game. Instead, they came out and played feisty and played really energetic and, and forced Purdue to really have to win this game in the second half as opposed to putting it away in the first. But it was another really solid game for Braden Smith. 
I have a hard time though getting excited about Braden Smith now. I really want to let's let's have this conversation again in February. You look at Fletcher Lawyer, same thing, has been really, really good to start the season. Had eleven points, four rebounds, three assists last night. Let's see where he's at in February. The expectation is those guys don't hit a freshman wall. But I'm not all of a sudden saying, especially for Braden Smith with how he's played, okay, he's going to be the dude now because I have to see it in, in the middle of the Big Ten season or the dog days of the Big Ten in late January, mid-February, and see, is he still flirting with triple doubles in February? That's a really good sign for Purdue if he is. Oh, for sure. I, I just think the biggest thing is, yes, I, I don't know if Purdue played you know, a complete game they answered every question and look, the first time you're playing, you know, a, a high level opponent and I get it. Xavier's not ranked. They're not like a, a top 10 team. We'll see Purdue, the potential top 10 matchup next week on Monday against Gonzaga and the Maui Invitational. But this to me, when you transition from playing the cupcakes to a, a real team, that, that can be tough because, you know, you can't just make the easy plays like you were used to making in games one and two. You can't, and I, the, the the schedule gets more difficult. We expected the Xavier game to be more difficult, but it's tough to, to say that when Xavier wasn't at full strength. Xavier played very well last night, but they weren't at full strength. They weren't going to go into Mackey missing those two guys and seriously threaten the Boilermakers to knock them off. But credit to Purdue. They, when they needed to turn it on, they did. And that's the kind of team they are, is they can flip that switch when they need to. And that's for comparing Purdue and Indiana, which you hate to do because Purdue is exponentially better than Indiana right now and probably for the rest of the season, is IU doesn't have that extra gear. Purdue has that extra gear. And it helps you have the reigning player of the year in the middle to do that, but you saw other dudes hit that extra gear last night, Miles Colvin especially. Purdue also solid from three-point range, 7 of 15, and great from the free-throw line, 18 of 21. Not too bad. No. Make your free throws. Hmm. Yeah. What a concept. <laughs> uh, if only they could do that down in Bloomington. Right? They'd be a lot better off. Uh, coming up on the other side, Jim Harbaugh says he plans to attend the court hearing Friday, and it was a bizarre press conference that included Judge Judy, chickens, and another comment. We'll get to all of it next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Wow, Rick rolled early. Got to get going on a Tuesday with some yes. Rick Hasley. Yes, absolutely. The, like, I, I think I'm not one for music videos. But this oh, is this one, one where I feel like the music video is even better than just the song itself. Uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a very good music video for sure. Excellent stuff. Plenty uh, of text coming in this yeah. morning, which we uh, <laughs> people are we fired thoroughly, up. Thoroughly enjoy the best one <laughs> coming from two guys that think Fort Wayne leaves go to the landfill. It doesn't surprise me that you don't trust golf to win a playoff game. Two two points of fact. So okay, they go to the what the biosolids facility is that I believe so. Lake or whatever. What do they do? Burn them over there? I don't know. They can't. I don't. I don't know. Uh, they they do. can't burn them because that'd go against city policy. Yeah, and there'd be a big inferno. Unless they have like an internal incinerator, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But still, they're they're being dumped somewhere. And then what what the bigger issue with that text is thinking that Jared Goff is a guy that can win you a playoff game. Maybe he does this year with Detroit. But he hasn't proven that yet. 
He's three and three in playoff games, all with the Rams, and not once in those six games has he thrown for multiple touchdowns. Six games, four touchdowns, two picks. If you're trusting Jared Goff right now based on his body of work, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe he can be that dude this year in the playoffs for Detroit. Hasn't earned it. Also, Josh Allen, we saw this during the break, 24th multiple turnover game in his career. That's the most since 2018 in the entire NFL. It's not good. Not not great. Not ideal. Yeah. Uh, Fort Wayne Biosolids, okay, that's essentially part of waste management. Is it not? It's going to the dump. <laughs> it's not the dump. It's going to a dump. So, yeah, again, anyway. Just mow them. Mow them down. I my backyard looks phenomenal, I by finished the way. my last uh, mulching yesterday. Did so, you? Now, did. did you? Well, I guess you have an electric mower, so never mind. Because I have to time mine, my final one, to run out the gas. Oh, and, and I don't have to worry about that. You don't have to do that. You just I have to. Charge the battery. I'm good to go. Look at you. Hipster over there. <laughs> it's quieter. Uh, and I, you don't have the gasoline stink on you. Now, you don't like gasoline smell? I love gasoline smell. Uh, no, I don't like it. I, I don't look every time I mow. It, if it, it's but. not in the summer, I don't have to take a shower after, uh, unless it's you know super hot out. True, because I'm like I don't smell like gasoline. So to me, that's another advantage. It's another win. Yeah, and there's no cord. We don't like it's a battery. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. A cord. See, uh, my dad tried to be hip back in the day and get an electric mower that had a cord. Ugh. Like. Wh- you're more worried about where the cord is than actually mowing. Like it's just it, there's way too much thinking. Mowing should be mindless. You should just be able to go out there, mentally check out, go in lines, whatever, and mow. You shouldn't have to think about where the cord is all the time. That's a terrible, terrible idea. Anyway. I do not disagree. Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Jim, talking about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh with people yeah. are already sounding oh, off yeah. about Jim Harbaugh oh, on the yep, text line. Yep. People are already going off. Uh again, don't forget uh, speaking of college football, you can text Spartans to 46862. Again, Spartans to 46862. And be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to see IU and Michigan State coming up Saturday at uh, Memorial Stadium. Noon kickoff in that one. We'll have uh, four packs to give away today, tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, we'll see where we're at. Yesterday's winner did not uh, contact us, so I think we'll we'll give away two ah, pairs back. Let's uh, go. Or give away uh, two today. So um, plenty of uh, opportunities to win. So if you win your prize, uh, you don't claim it by the next day. Uh, <laughs> back on the market. <laughs> it's pretty fair. Yes. Um, okay, so Jim Harbaugh, bizarre press conference, talked to everything about chickens, and he's changed his mind on chickens. Judge Judy. This felt like a very Jim Ursay-esque press yeah. conference, didn't it? Uh, and he talked about America's team and not the Dallas Cowboys, his Michigan Wolverines. The perseverance, you know, and then the just the stalwartness of these guys. I mean, is that a word? Yeah, Watson. I would have to say. I mean, everybody. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America, America loves a team that that uh, you know beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes with the naysayers and you know critics, so-called experts think. Um, that's my favorite kind of team. And yeah, watching it from from that view on the television, I, it was finally people get to see what I see every day, you know, in these players and these coaches. Odds, critics, naysayers, and my least favorite word in all of sports: adversity. 
adversity, just just uh, just overcoming the odds. Yeah. Here's my thing with Michigan football and playing the victim is, of course, expected. That's what they do. It works. It's just like being under. Oh, nobody expects you to do the underdog trope that every coach tries to play all the time. You could be the number one team in the country, an undefeated team, the number one team in the state, the high school, whatever. They're, the coaches are always looking for that underdog. Remember, anymore. Georgia tried to play the, you know, nobody believed in us card. Yeah. Was that last year or this year? I don't remember which, but it was laughable. And what Michigan's trying to do, here's the thing. You can call it adversity all you want if, if you're Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan, and you can deny the simple facts of the case that Connor Stallions was fired for doing what he did, which is scouting in person. Again, anyone trying to deflect, just say, oh, it's legal to steal signs. Yes, it is. But it's not about the sign stealing. It never was about the sign stealing. It was always about the in-person scouting. And if you're going to call something you did adversity, you're wrong. Because in reality, if you're punished for your own actions, that's not adversity. That's accountability. And that's what Michigan is dealing with right now. It's hysterical because thinking this is become going to become America's team. Like nobody, nobody wants outside of, of Michigan fans, the yeah, majority I, of people. I, I was going into the season thinking, oh, okay, Michigan, they have a really good team. It's, you know, nice to see the Big Ten have a, a team competing at the national level, you know, as a legit shot. Like I, I get Ohio State's had legit shots over the years, but this feels like as solid of a bet to beat like a Georgia, right? Uh, but all the whining and crying and complaining over this by Michigan fans and the Michigan team. It's, it started at the start of the year. Remember with him getting punished for lying to the NCAA. Yes. And, and, and missing the first games, three games. Three meaningless. I, I mean, it's just, I've had enough. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like I can't take any of you seriously. in the fact that this range from him talking about chickens to uh, saying he's not sure if he'll testify Friday, saying, that's not my dance floor. I've watched a lot of shows. I've watched Judge Judy a lot. What? <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah, I guess he's great for a sound bite, but has he lost his mind? Like, what? what is going on here? Uh, <laughs> it was a bizarre press conference. It was very Jim Ursay-esque in that respect. I, I don't know. On the field, Michigan looks like a really good football team. I, I will give them credit for going to Penn State and winning. I, I think... Yes, you can say with with Penn State and James Franklin that they cannot win big games. Correct. But I will give credit for Michigan and going in there and winning. But behind the scenes, off the field, it's very difficult to appreciate what Michigan's doing. They cheated. No matter what you think about the rules, the fact that the rules are the rules, they cheated. And now they're trying to play the victim. It's just absurd. Absolutely absurd to me. Uh, someone texting, imagine Thanksgiving dinner at the Harbaugh's house. Mom is asking a bunch of questions to Tom Crean. Uh, cause remember he's married to Jim's <laughs> right? sister. Uh, Jim trying to pretend like they aren't screw ups. Uh, and dad is making under his breath comments and only talking to John who he's actually <laughs> proud of. <laughs> also uh, this, uh, CK, I remember those epic underdog teams like the nineties bulls. Yeah. You know what? Let's, yeah, right? let's, let's remember some underdogs. Uh, the 2016 Warriors, uh, you know, the, that underdog scrappy team that only won 73 games and ended up losing to the underdog scrappy Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, the 72 and 
10 or the, whatever uh, they were? The underdog... Uh, 99, 2000, 2001, right? I believe, or was it two? Yeah, 2001 and two Lakers, uh, a scrappy team that yeah, got a three peat. They were able to grind out those three straight. The uh, Yankees in the late 90s, they're they're three peat. I, I mean, come on. And here's the thing, too: is Michigan, you're not winning the national championship. You're not that. You're good. You're not that good. I think you're the best team in the Big Ten. I think you you. Very well could make it three straight against Ohio State. You're not as good as Georgia. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think you're as good as Washington. Washington, at the very least, is more tested than Michigan. I mean, well, and, and Michigan's been playing with fire for like four or five straight weeks. Here's the thing. Michigan is a great defensive team. They have a, a great offensive line, as someone pointed out on the text line. Great running backs, but Michigan... I don't think can handle a team like a Washington or, you know, an Oregon, you know, a team that has an elite offense. Michigan's not playing elite offensive teams. Now they'll play some elite offensive players throughout the big 10 season. Obviously Marvin Harrison jr. Chief among them. They're not playing elite offensive teams. Could you see a scenario where Michigan is the number one team in the college football playoff getting matched up by a four seeded Alabama? And losing because I could. Yeah, no, I could. I mean, here's the thing: the playoff is is going to be the winner between Michigan and Ohio State, right? It's going to be the winner between Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game. It's going to be whoever wins the Pac-12, and then, uh, what? There, am I missing one other team? Right? I guess Florida State if they went out. Yeah, or Texas if they went out. And the, the the adorable thing from from uh, from Michigan fans, oh, they can't beat us, so you know they got to do this. Nobody's afraid of Michigan. When's the last time have you won a college football playoff game ever? When's your last playoff win? BCS era. Like nobody's afraid of you. No, this isn't a oh we we need to find a way to topple Georgia or Alabama. This isn't a witch hunt or or Ohio State. You haven't done anything. You haven't won anything. You haven't won a national title. In what thirty years? You haven't even oh, won a playoff. They haven't game. won a full national title in like seven. Well, years. yeah, but I'll say I'll say they'll we'll give them a national title thirty years ago. I'll give them that. But this isn't a witch hunt to tear down Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State because they can't beat us. They're trying to tear us down somewhere. Those teams have won national titles. They have been to the top. You can make it up. Well, they're just trying to find a way to tear down Georgia. Okay, you really think they're doing that with Michigan? You haven't even won a playoff game. You lost to TCU last year, a team that got absolutely murdered in the national championship game. You haven't proven anything to earn this this self, self-imposed, oh, they're trying to tear us down because nobody can beat us. And now Jim Harbaugh, America's team and adversity and all this crap. Michigan versus everybody. Right? It is it's comical. Just, it's just stupid. It is stupid. Like The, the worst part of all of it is that They've dug in like they're some sort of victim. Yes. You're not the victim. You're the one who caused this. You did this to yourself. Yeah, it's uh it's 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 absurd. It's adorable. You can say all the things. There, is Jim Harbaugh really believing that or is he trying to fire up his team? You you can debate it because I think he's using tired tropes to try to connect to his team as though everybody's doubting us and nobody nobody's rooting for us and oh we should everybody should galvanize around us because we're the we're the the victims and 
and all that. It's, it's just a tired coach speak that nobody's buying into other than the delusional maize and blue fans. Hopefully we'll get some answers come Friday with this hearing, but at least we'll get some answers within the next two weeks as Michigan has Maryland and then Ohio state to close out the regular season. And Michigan could very well go undefeated. And we we've said uh, admittedly, Oh, we will find out what Michigan is the latter three games of the season. So far, so good for the Wolverines. I just, I, I'm still not buying them as as good as Georgia or as good as how what Alabama's how Alabama's playing right now. That's another debate to have that's a completely different conversation when people want to rank the college football playoff teams and you put the five undefeated teams at the top. You cannot tell me that right now Michigan or Alabama is not one of the best four teams in the country. Better in Florida State. You can't argue that against me. So once again, it comes down to record. Because right now the five teams that are undefeated are one through five in the college football playoff rankings. And don't expect them to change this week. You cannot tell me Alabama is not better than Florida State. I would argue that Alabama right now is the second best team in the country with the way they're playing. But they're eighth right now in the college football playoff. But that's a separate conversation. And speaking of college football and issues in the sport, uh, the Pac-12 is sending a parting shot in their final game as a conference. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Spirited discussion today on the show. I love it. Some Rick James. Yeah. Uh, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. And don't forget, you can text Spartan or Spartans, either one. I, I'm open to either. Uh, to win a four-pack of tickets the IU and Michigan State coming up Saturday Noon kickoff in Bloomington for the Old Brass Spittoon. Uh, someone texted Spittoon earlier. That was yesterday's keyword. We, we changed these up. And so we'll give away a four-pack. Actually, end of this hour, and then we'll give another end of next hour. So we're caught up. Uh, so two chances to win Now, today. are we going to reset the Spartan? Yeah, yeah. We'll have a different keyword next Okay, hour. we'll have a different keyword. So everybody, if you want to win this hour, make sure you're texting Spartan between yes. now and the top of the hour. Yes. Well, so we had some texts that came in, too, over the break that we wanted <laughs> to address as well. Yeah. Um, uh, one in particular, uh, but uh, first, uh, CK, Ryan Day is afraid of Michigan. Eh, I don't I don't buy that. Here, here's the thing. Ohio State fans, you know what? College football is is great, but also fan bases are so absurd. Like, Ryan Day, if he loses to Michigan a third straight time, the fan base is going to want to run him off, even though he's lost single-digit games as a head coach. Yeah, just because he would State. have lost three straight games to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, also, this uh, the games have to matter. It doesn't matter how good you think Bama is. Oregon is better than Washington. They lost to them. The games have to matter, or what are we even doing? Well, the games do matter, but the, the playoff is not the four best records. If we had the four best, best records, we'd have group of five teams making it every year. Now, I get it. Cincinnati did, did make it couple years ago but they're they're the task at hand is the committee to choose the four best teams in college football there have been years where ohio state has made the playoff and a lot of people disagreed with the move and then what did ohio state go out and do well they they won games in the playoff right including the first year when they won the national championship that's the thing The, the the purpose of the regular season should be to determine the four best teams it doesn't not the four best records and you have to you you cannot look at Alabama and say 
this is the thing. And teams go from one to to the start of the season aren't necessarily the same teams at the end of the season. So you're taking the four best teams. The way Jalen Milrow's playing right now in Alabama, completely different from where they started yes. the season. Yeah, they figured out their quarterback situation. That offense is rolling. Uh, he's probably playing better than any quarterback in the country outside of Jaden Daniels, who, in my opinion, should be the Heisman frontrunner right now based on a lot of numbers, the quarterback at LSU. Um, he's having an historic season at LSU. I know that's a controversial topic. Uh, we'll, we could save that for another day. Yeah, we'll put that in another <laughs> another day. But, you know, if, if it's the four best records, then the college football playoffs should just come out and say, okay, the teams with the four best records are in the playoff. But yeah. they don't because that shouldn't be what it's about. And, and I agree with you. I think Alabama is playing better right now than Florida State. I, I think if Alabama beats Georgia... Both those teams should be in if they if, if they both win their remaining games. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, a team that's not in college football playoff contention, and you wonder how much of a factor that is in this decision. Notre Dame. So the Pac-12 sends one final parting shot of nonsense, going down uh, with the burning ship, because Notre Dame and Stanford prepare yourselves. Because you now have a week and a half to prepare. We'll be on the Pac-12 Network next Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Uh, likely the last Pac-12 game televised on the network. That uh, it, This was impossible to find a, a clear-cut number. But the Pac-12 Network reportedly has about 15 million subscribers. People who live That's in San Francisco can't get access to it. To put it in perspective, the Big Ten Network, I think a, a couple years ago, had like 60 million so it's pretty bad. It's I, not ideal. I, I did no. some research on how do I actually watch this. So uh, Comcast Xfinity, uh, that apparently has it. I'm sure it's upgraded channel. Charter oh, Spectrum, yeah, I'm Cox, sure it's not the basic. Dish Network, Sling TV, Fubo TV. So it looks like Sling or Fubo, a free trial. And I don't know if you can access it. And then like on the regular tier, I don't know, but I, I have no idea how I'm going to watch this game. I do know this, uh, barring you know a, a IHSAA state football playoff conflict, uh, we should have this game on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM uh, next Saturday night. Again, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff. Well, this is the thing, is, is for me, is I know people are going to be outraged, but the Pac-12 is deep. And they have better games to show. Yeah, no Oregon, it, this, Oregon State. I think that's Friday though. Mm-hmm. But Washington State, Washington. That's going to be the Fox game at four. I don't think the Pac-12 has a night game, and it's only Fox, right? They're not on the ABC anymore, or they could be. Uh, they can be on ABC, but this is the last year. But ABC has picked a different game to be on primetime. So I, I just. I know people are Notre Dame fans are going to be especially Notre Dame fans will be outraged, but it's just not that big of a game. And uh, they that's just have the way it is. The, the Friday game, Oregon, Oregon State, so the Civil War. That's a Friday night game on Black Friday. Great matchup. That's on Fox. Uh, you have Cal at UCLA, which was already booked out in advance uh, to be on ESPN. Notre Dame, Stanford, Pac-12 Network, uh, Washington State, Washington on Fox. And then I guess they still have the hold on Colorado at Utah and Arizona at Arizona State, last I saw. Yeah. It's, uh, 
I, I just don't see the, 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 the purpose of having Notre Dame Stanford on. Obviously, people want to watch it here, but that's just the way it is. I mean, ABC showing Georgia, Georgia Tech in primetime on Saturday. Uh, someone that, texting in trying Fubo now. It's a seven-day free trial. So, yeah, I, yeah see, I, jump I, on it. I, I will try to figure something out, but to be honest, this isn't an interesting game. I, I'm not seeking. <laughs> there are a lot of great football games that day. Yeah, I'm and not this is not this one of them. Out. Uh, between family stuff on Thanksgiving weekend, maybe going down to the state championship games, depending on who makes it, I, I really am not interested in watching Notre Dame-Stanford. What's that game even mean? Not much. Notre Dame's not going to a, a New Year's Day bowl. Stanford isn't going to a bowl game, period. So what? what's... what's Nationally, and that's the thing. That's what that you got to look at it as a Notre Dame fan. Is nationally, what's the what's the draw for Notre Dame Stanford? There is none, other than there's a lot of Notre Dame fans. But the the powers that be feel that there's more people that are going to watch other games than Notre Dame and Stanford. A couple of texts rolling in uh, saying I, I got Fubo to watch the Colts on Sunday. Uh, someone else saying. Uh, Fox will probably carry Utah, Colorado on Saturday night instead of Notre Dame. Yeah, probably because that's a draw. Yeah, I would say so. Um, if that's a re, if, I don't know. Georgia, Georgia Tech's already scheduled for ABC, so maybe Colorado, yeah, that, that Utah will probably be the, in there. the prime time game. Um, either way, look, people are going to be frustrated. We're warning you now. You'll be super frustrated again. If you're a Notre Dame fan. You know, just over a week from now. You had to now. get Peacock. Now you got to get Pac-12 yeah. Network. Just it the is, way it is. It is the way it is. And now this one is more frustrating because there's not an easy way to find it. Correct. Getting Peacock, you can do the free trial, watch the game, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how you do this. You, you, do you get Fubo or Sling? Does it come with the free trial? I don't know because I would assume yeah, I it's an upgraded know. tier. I don't think a lot of basic cable packages or satellite packages have Pac-12 network. I think I do. I don't know why I have it on uh, Hulu TV. I think I do. But I don't know. You know what? If if I don't, I guess I'm not watching Notre Dame Stanford. It's not anything that I'm really worried about. But I, I understand the diehard Notre Dame fans out there. They'll be upset they can't watch it. I get it. But that's just how college football is right now. And that's the frustrations that we vented with the NFL. And not yeah. being able to watch their premier games all the time on Sundays because we're stuck with the Bears and the Colts on every week and we miss big matchups. This isn't necessarily a big matchup, but Notre Dame fans won't be able to watch it through normal means. A couple other quick notes on Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman said the Irish will go after a quarterback in the portal. Not really a big surprise there. And Rocco Spindler, offensive lineman, out for the season. So. Some updates there. Final chance to text Spartan to 46862 or Spartans, either one, uh, to win a four-pack of tickets IU and Michigan State kickoff at noon on Saturday down in Bloomington for the Old Brass Platoon. Again, Spartan or Spartans to 46862. Pick a winner here uh, coming out of the break. And then uh, coming up in hour number two, Purdue answering their biggest question so far, plus Peyton Manning. Uh, slipped up on the main cast last night. We'll play the clip for you. And Jeremy Evans, a uh, Evans, a sports lawyer and host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast on the Believe Network, will join us to talk about the Harbaugh suspension from a legal perspective. Around eight thirty-five, and a one hundred thousand dollar mistake on the job. All that to come in hour number two. 
Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny, thanks for being with us. Rolling here on a Tuesday and coming up this hour, Purdue answering their biggest questions so far. Saw the Boilers get a double-digit win over Xavier last night. A couple of key takeaways. Plus, Peyton Manning slipped up last night on the Manning cast. We'll play you the audio. This uh, is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports, but he gets a pass for what he did. And we'll be joined by Jeremy Evans, a sports lawyer, host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast on the Believe Network, to talk about the Harbaugh suspension from a legal perspective. We talked about the bizarre press conference in hour number one. If you missed that, you can catch up on the podcast page. Uh, we'll have that up about 1030 or so. Uh, again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can download it for free. If you missed anything, uh, that's where you can get caught up. But he'll talk about it from the legal perspective and the appeal process and where things are at there. And a $100,000 mistake on the job. Now, Oops. you know, everyone makes mistakes from time to time, right? But... This is one that, well, everyone seemingly knows about. Hmm. And everyone can see it if they try hard enough. We'll, we'll explain uh, around 8.50 or so. Yeah. Not ideal. No, We'll no, find it's out not. the details at the end of the show. <laughs> not ideal indeed. Uh, don't forget, you can always stream us at 1380thefan.com on the free 1380thefan app or your smart speaker. And the text line available to you at 46862. Again, 46862. Uh, we have another four-pack of tickets for IU and Michigan State in the Old Brass Platoon coming up on Saturday. Our number one winner, Austin Kressel. Uh, so congrats. You're going to the IU game on Saturday. We're looking for another winner and uh, a new keyword. What keyword should we run this hour? Um, hmm. Or phrase. Or phrase. Uh, so we did, let's say, let's do, cause it's the old brass platoon. Yeah. Right? Let's do brass. Okay. Just text brass to four, six, eight, six, two. We did, we did spittoon yesterday. So we'll do uh, brass today. Correct. Four, six, eight, six, two. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show, uh, from IU to Purdue and Purdue, uh, got a double digit win over Xavier last night in the Gavit tip off games, the big 10 big East event. Uh, once again, another thing that will be of the past because they couldn't agree on an extension. So no Big Ten ACC, no Big Ten uh, Big East Gavit games after this year. Obviously, the Big Ten ACC challenge is, is dead as of last year. But for Purdue, I think the biggest thing, and, and Zach Eady got his, right? 28 and 11, a lot of points late in this game. But I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing out of the Boilers, there were question marks, one, they're shooting well from three-point range. 7 of 15 last night, just below 50%. They were 16 of 29 against Sanford. And look, I get it. Sanford's undermanned. Uh, 8 of 23 against Moorhead State. So P- Purdue, as far as statistically, is shooting well from distance. And that was automatically the biggest concern, I think, for everyone going into this year. I think the biggest thing for me is Purdue needs to prove and and identify how to win games when Zach Eady isn't dominant? Because yes. we saw that against Fairleigh Dickinson, mm-hmm. right? What Purdue couldn't figure out what to do when Zach Eady wasn't that guy, and he wasn't in that game. 
Purdue needs to to pro, to have that in the back in their back pocket heading into the NCAA tournament, knowing that in the event that that happens, they can win games against a competent opponent. And I think they're going to get challenged over the next month or so. You got to go to Gonzaga uh, next to Monday night. I think it's Monday night. Uh, Monday, Monday afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, night out. Well, no, it's Monday afternoon there, like two o'clock start. Well, there. no, this is Maui Invitational. Oh, they're out at the so Maui Invitational. In That's right. So Hawaii. they're on my in Maui against Gonzaga. Well, it's actually in Honolulu because the, the wildfire. It's so confusing. It's uh, in Hawaii. Yes. Yes. So they have a Gonzaga. They have to go to Alabama. Well, and they, they could and play they Kansas in, it, right? in the Maui Invitational as well. So that's going to help. You have Alabama still on the schedule. I have Arizona still on the schedule. Mixed in there with some, with some Big Ten games with Northwestern and Iowa. So you look at potentially the rest of their schedule prior to a couple gimmies before the bulk before the, the turn of the year. You look at Gonzaga, maybe Kansas. You have Texas Southern in there. Then you go Northwestern, Iowa, Alabama, Arizona. That's a good stretch over the next month for Purdue. So you could argue that this is will be the most difficult stretch of the season. Because I think this is you're going to play more quality teams in my opinion over the next four weeks at three weeks essentially three and a half than you are at any point of the Big Ten season the grind of the Big Ten season is different than what you're going to see over the next three or four weeks for Purdue yeah I I don't disagree with that I I think this is a a point in the schedule starting with last night where we're we're going to find out a lot and I think we talked about this yesterday that yeah it it it's not an end-all, be-all if they win all these games or struggle through these games. That's not the issue. It's just more of they're going to be tested more, as you said, coming up here than they probably will be in the Big Ten. Do you think it would benefit Purdue at some point this season, or maybe even a couple points this season, where Matt Painter says, I'm going to sit Zach Eady down for a considerable amount of time and make everyone else play without it and see how that goes. Uh, would it benefit? Yes. But as a coach, you want your best players on the floor. I so understand unless that. he's injured or in foul trouble, you're just, you're not going to see. It. I'm not saying he's not playing, but what if you for it for the first half of a game, he played eight minutes. I mean, we saw that last year. We had foul trouble in a half and he didn't play a lot and produce struggle. I, I, but I think they need to be put in those situations yeah. more. Yes, they do. So when we look at this season and say this is all about getting ready for March, wouldn't that fit that bill to where Matt Painter would benefit from go sit down my reigning player of the year and you're only playing five minutes in the first half and I'm going to see how this team performs? I mean, I I think natural competitiveness won't have a coach do that, but I think that would be a benefit to Purdue. There will be a time he will pick up two fouls and... They'll have to figure it out. I mean, we saw it last year. I'm sure we'll see it again this year. But I almost, you, you, you I, I get it. It could happen against a good team. It, it could also happen against Jacksonville. But, but I think it would really benefit Purdue to do it against a good team. You can do it in the, in the big 10. If you have to go, and I'm not saying you do it against Michigan state or, or Indiana, like big games, but let's say home against uh, Michigan in late January. What if they say, you know what? For for the 15 of the 20 minutes of the first half, Zach Eady isn't going to be on the floor. And he wants to see how his team responds. 
I wonder if Matt Painter would ever consider doing that at some point this season and see what his players can do outside of Zach Eady. Can you imagine Matt Painter not playing Zach Eady for, for no reason and then having oh, to a, explain that? But no, but there's a good the firestorm? reason. There's a good reason. I need to see how these guys perform without Zach Eady on the floor. Or because if, if Zach Eady is ineffect, ineffective like he was largely against Fairleigh Dickinson, or he fouls out late in a game or gets in foul trouble, I just don't think that this team leans on Zach Eady so much and for good reason because he's the best player in college basketball. I'm just saying, I think to reach a Final Four, this team at some point is going to have to win a game over a quality opponent without either Zach Eady as best or Zach Eady not even on the floor for key moments because of, of an injury or, or, or whatever. So, no, I wouldn't say it's no reason. If somebody asked me that question, if I'm Matt Painter, I'm saying this is exactly why I did it. And I think if anybody would do it, it'd be Matt Painter. I just don't know if he has that in him to do that. If Matt Painter had already won a national title, he could get away with that. I don't I think see he, that. he can get away with that, doing that this season in particular. I could see that, but at the same time, I think you're trying to prepare this team for every conceivable situation in March when it matters for this team. And I think that would would check one of those boxes. I think the other, well, that plus the fact that we don't know who that number two scoring option is yet. I mean, last year it was Fletcher Lawyer, and then he, he hit the freshman wall in, in what, February, late January, early February, and that was that, right? That's something we didn't really, I mean, we, we talked about it at the time last year, constantly last season, as far as Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer hitting the freshman wall, and Purdue was stumbling down the stretch, but then it was like they they figured it back out in the Big Ten tournament, only to, to completely stumble. Not because of you know that aspect in the tournament game, but because it just... Zach Eady didn't play well. I mean, a team went small ball and figured out how to just play around him and not through him. Yeah, and and you, it's phenomenal what what Fairleigh Dickinson was able to do is the smallest, basically smallest roster in, in Division One. I. I just look at Purdue and finding ways to challenge this team throughout the season, knowing that their goals are big. And finding ways to put this team, this roster, this group in uncomfortable situations and make them perform. They're going to have to find a way to do it, but I don't think you can do that by benching Zach Eady. <laughs> I think so. I, I think that's an approach that I would take because I think anything's on the table. And, and looking forward, and this caught my eye when I was talking to the schedule and I was looking at it. So Purdue football fans had to jump through the peacock hoops. Yes. To see their teams. The Arizona game. Yeah, on Peacock. It's going to be on Peacock. And IU-Purdue games on Peacock. That's right. But if you're looking at a, a top five matchup, at least what's looking at right now as a top five matchup, you're going to have to watch that on Peacock, ladies and gentlemen, on December 16th. Oh, it's going to be fun for that. Going to be fun. Especially the people that don't know that going in and are trying to find it. Yep. And that's, you know there'll be the same it's people. It's like Notre that are, Dame on Pac-12 exactly Network. Right. That's why we're warning you now. We're exactly warning you right. well in advance so that you can't complain later on. Coming up on the other side, Peyton Manning slipped up on the Manning cast last night and did something that drives me nuts in sports. 
but he gets a pass. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny. don't forget you can text BRASS to 46862. Again, BRASS to 46862. Be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See IU and Michigan State in the Old Brass Spittoon on Saturday at noon down in Bloomington. Again, BRASS to 46862. That is how you enter. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Congrats to Austin, who won uh, in hour number one. All right, so Peyton Manning on the Manning cast did something last night very early on in the game. There was an early fumble, Denver able to recover it. And some context, let's not forget Peyton Manning played for the Denver Broncos, but it's been a while. So big play, Peyton's talking, Eli quickly calls him out on Manning's slip-up on the Manning cast. Creating some of those plays uh, kind of when they're broken a little bit. Eli, Josh, oh, he's striking fumble. That's a fumble. That's a fumble. That's our ball. That's the uh, Broncos our ball. ball. Can I say our ball? ball? Broncos it's ball. Been our ball. <laughs> it's, been, it's been eight years. It's been eight years. <laughs> <laughs> now, my question is, before we start debating the hour thing, yeah. are the Colts also well, uh, three right? hour? Right. I thought that immediately. Would he say that about the Colts? Because here's the thing. Can you have two wees, two hours? Uh, here's the thing. I don't think there's ever been a main and cast for a Colts game. They didn't have the the ridiculous uh, Baltimore game. Was that last year or two years ago? I think that was two years ago. They didn't have uh, the Colts and Chargers Monday Night Football game last year just after Christmas. Uh, and the Colts don't have any Monday Night game this year. So, yeah, they he's never done a main and cast for a Colts game. So what do you say? What do you say? We or are? I, do I don't say? know. Yeah, I I don't that, know. That if was immediately a, the thing I thought of after after that. If you're a Colts fan, are you a little uh, put off? Are you? Uh, no, he should be saying we and our for the Colts, not the Broncos. He spent the fa- most of his career with the. Now, I'm Colts. fine with him using it for either team. You you can do two we's, two hours. Yeah, he played for both. Okay. Just like he can do that for Tennessee Volunteers, he can do that for high school. You know, I, I have no issues. But saying us or are is fine. Here's where I draw the line. If you went to the school, played for the school, own the team, or play or played for the team, go for it. If not... What if I have a sweatshirt? No. Okay. I can't say we? Yeah. What if I went to a game? No. I can't say it. Okay. Now, now I guess I'd, I'd throw in one other bonus. Okay. If one of your children plays for said team or school or played for said team or school. Okay, they could be we. Uh, well, actually, no, I'd have to say they'd have to be actively playing. What if you've openly weeped over a loss for that team? Can you say we? No, that just means okay. you've let them emotionally wreck you for no reason. <laughs> I was just making sure we're crossing off these different yeah. things. Yes, all the different scenarios. But Peyton Manning can get away with it. He can say our, but Colts fans, should he be saying our only for the Colts? Can you share his we, his our? Are you cool with sharing it with the Broncos? Ironically, there's a Peyton and Eli commercial on TV <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, if you're the NFL and you love to set up these matchups for storylines, wouldn't you have the Broncos play the Colts and make sure it's a Manning cast game? 
You would you would try, but again, they haven't had a Colts game on the main cast. But that's what I'm saying. Like you schedule it as a Monday night game, and you talk to ESPN and say this can this can this be a Manning cast game? Can we make sure this is a Manning cast game? Because then he could use we and our for both sides conceivably. It, it feels like he's actively avoiding Colts games for the Manning cast because there've been opportunities, right? Again, Colts Ravens two years ago. Here's Colts, a, Chargers last year. Here's a text coming in, CK. Um, when Mahomes was on the Manning cast, he said, uh, he asked if he would use we for the Colts, and he said yes, but Eli won't let him do a Col- Colts game on the Manning cast. Wait, really? That's what the text Why? Said. Why would he not... So they can do Giants games, but they can't do... I, I'm just reading what the texter said. He says, uh, he says it would be us or we... Or our when talking about the Colts as well, but he says Eli won't let him do a Manning cast for a Colts game. Would he Maybe do? probably because he just didn't want to listen to his brother be annoying about the Colts. That's <laughs> probably why. I don't think it's anything like malicious. He's probably like, no, because you won't shut up about stuff. Or, or would like Peyton be too emotionally invested that he couldn't, you know, like it wouldn't be, he'd lose his mind. Maybe, kind of but he sounded pretty emotionally invested last night well, with, yeah. his, with the call on the fumble. That's our ball. Eli, that, it's been eight years. It's the perfect answer. <laughs> so it's been could, eight years. Come you on. could say that for for the Colts. So it's, it's been uh, what twelve years? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that, that that if we're talking matchups, we need a Colts Colts Manning cast game. Just give it for Peyton. I don't care. Peyton and some random person doing it with him. If Eli doesn't want to. Uh, someone else, CK. I think that was the joke. Peyton said Eli always wants to do Giants games, but. Won't let us do Colts games. So it, apparently they're just... It's just good-natured ribbing yeah. between brothers. Yeah, I get it. But I I think that should happen. Whether it's Colts Giants or Colts Broncos, it should happen. I agree. They we, both we can need yell, to see it. They both can say we because and Because here's the thing. I saw the Manning cast ratings were down this year. Yeah. They might dip below a million. Um, You want to boost that up? Have the Colts play the Broncos and put it on the Manning cast or have the Colts play the Giants putting on the Manning cast. That will get you better rating. You know what I think hurts too is it's not every week. Uh, See, I think that actually helps. Really? But I think people are like, when is it and when isn't it? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. But if you do it every week, then no one will care anymore because it loses that uniqueness that makes it kind of special to watch. Very true. I would just replace the regular Monday night crew with it. I mean, seriously. <laughs> uh, they've improved from what it was a couple of years ago. No, I think it's, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying sometimes a, an alternate take of a game, I would put the Manning cast on the regular, on the regular station. But, Maybe that's the next step forward for sports on TV. Because when you have big games, you see that uh, multiple stations yes. and you get the whole uh, analysis. I would love to have just an Watch a game with analysis. The, me- the mega cast yes, where they have mega cast. You know, of like, regular games. Like if the Super Bowl or the the national championship game, I want to watch the broadcast. But if somebody I I would watch Bears Panthers a little bit more closely if it was it had analysis and a Manning cast going on as opposed to the regular broadcast. Can't disagree there. Uh coming up on the other side, where do things stand on the legal matters with Jim Harbaugh? We'll talk with Jeremy Evans a sports lawyer and host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast on the Believe Network to break everything down. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan. 
in 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny. Don't forget, you can text BRASS to 46862. Again, BRASS to 46862. And be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See IU and Michigan State and the Old Brass Platoon coming up on Saturday afternoon down in Bloomington. Uh, from Michigan State to Michigan and everything happening in Ann Arbor. Joining us now on the guest line, it is sports lawyer and host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast on the Believe Network, Jeremy Evans. Jeremy, thanks for coming on this morning. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Uh, first off, before we get started, uh, thanks for getting up early with us. I, I should have really led with that because it's uh, it's quite the time difference. <laughs> of, course. of course, my pleasure. So, I get up early anyway, so it's okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, so we, we start with where things are at. Obviously, uh, Michigan in the appeal process, there is a hearing Friday. And that hearing could determine uh, if the three-game suspension would be nullified or not. Is there anything else that could come out of that hearing on Friday? Well, I think like, like with any hearing, uh, particularly on the uh, – on this matter, it's going to be essentially to whatever's in the pleadings, right? So whatever's been filed with the court as to the injunction, there'll be some hearing around that. But essentially the judge is going to look at whether the Big Ten had enough information or enough facts to suspend Harbaugh for Coach Harbaugh for the three games. I think the judge is – it's sort of interesting because the judge has to weigh sort of the equity of the situation with what the facts say. And, again, I think my guess would be that the suspension stands uh, only because uh, it's towards the end of the season. And, uh, and of course, Harbaugh, Harbaugh would still be able to coach, in the, in obviously, for the college playoff or for, um, obviously, if the team made it to national championship. So it, it, it's sort of interesting because I think the judge is going to have a few pieces of information, you know, to consider you know, one is going to be uh, this idea of, you know, um, the gentleman who was filming, uh, Colin Stallions, and uh, any evidence that sort of appears there. And then also what the, what the NCAA bylaw 11.6.1 says is that you cannot film another team uh, that you're going to play during the same season uh, at, at a sort of, but not during the same game. And I think that there is some evidence there that this gentleman did that. The problem is, is whether he was actually paid by the university, whether he was told to do that. And then, of course, the thing I always go back to is this idea that, and a couple of the, the anchors on television made this point, is how serious is this offense? You know, is this something that all the teams are doing and it's just Michigan got caught doing it? Because to me, it's, it's hard to... Um, and, and I would almost say that a lot of teams are probably doing it. They're just not doing it with a scout on site. They're just doing it through film. So they're taking film of the game, and then they're realizing what's going on. But obviously having somebody on site to read the signs and the signals of the other team is, is beneficial. But to me, I would make this akin to, let's say, you know, uh, a runner on second base in baseball and stealing signs during the game. And then, of course, this is why baseball's moved to more of the telecommunications thing with the, with the earpiece and trying to sort of um, hide certain signs. But I don't know if anything else is going to come out of that hearing other than us knowing whether Harbaugh, Harbaugh is going to be coaching uh, the next two games or not. But 
to me, it says a lot that University of Michigan is backing him up and, and, and has filed this versus, you know, Jim Harbaugh doing it on his own. Jeremy, when you look at, at the evidence gathering and, and how, I guess, intense that will be and what responsibility that Michigan, the f- program and the athletics department have in terms of turning over, whether it's a paper trail, text or whatever, to prove that Stallions was being told to do this, just how deep could this go and what responsibility does Michigan have to turn over whatever evidence it has? Well, that's such a good question because in my mind, if I'm an athletic director, I would have every incentive to turn over all the information because the last thing that you want is for you know some email or text message chain to be found that shows either Coach Harbaugh or some assistant or something like that telling you know Stallion that this is the job we want you to do, and it was sort of understood. Now, of course, there may not be much paperwork to that. You know, maybe it was a situation where he was hired as a coach and, you know, this was something that was communicated verbally and there might not be a record of it. But I often think that these universities are incentivized to give the information because because of the point that, you know, you often will see universities do like self-imposed discipline, right, you know, prior to an NCAA, you know, investigation or the handing down of some sort of discipline because they want to, be seen in the eyes of the NCAA that they've done the things that they should do. So, but to me, again, to, kind of really to your point, the fact that University of Michigan has filed this in, um, injunction on behalf of Coach, Coach Harbaugh is pretty important because to me it says that they trust him and they believe him and that there may not be much evidence uh, towards this. And that may be premature now, you know, with, with all of us not really knowing what the evidence is. But to me, that's pretty significant because I can't remember the last time the university backed the coach in this regard. Because usually it was the coach, basically, or the the university instituting the discipline. Now, of course, not to be a pessimist in any of this, but of course, Michigan is pursuing a national championship, and you know they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, so there might be some incentive to obviously keep you know Harbaugh in there, but. Uh, again, it's a well-trained team, so I, I'm, you know, I guess the, the, really the only game left on the schedule. I mean, they've got what uh, three games left, and the big one being Ohio State. So uh, we'll see. But um, again, I, I would just sort of say that I think it's significant that the university filed this injunction and not Coach Harbaugh and his lawyers. Jeremy Evans, sports lawyer, joining us on the guest line, and you touched on a really interesting and, and really the kind of the point that. Michigan fans, the university, they're all hanging on. It's the fact that there's no evidence to this point that's linked Harbaugh to Connor Stallions and the in-person scouting scandal and sign-stealing scandal. Uh, Because of that, if that remains the case, I mean, this is pretty much an open-and-shut case, right, that Michigan would win and and be able to to get that three-game suspension nullified. That's such a good point and a good question because – that in, in my mind, yes, that would be the case. I think what the NCAA and what a judge looking at an, an injunction request might say, though, is, well, did Coach Harbaugh have some sort of institutional control issue? Should he have known? And a lot of times what ends up happening is even though the head coach doesn't know, the head coach will often um, you know, be responsible for their staff, right? 
this is no different than, you know, let's say me as a lawyer, if I have a paralegal and, you know, the paralegal does something uh, that, you know, harms a client, I would ultimately be responsible, right, not the paralegal. And so in this sense, because I have supervisory control over that paralegal. Um, and I think the same goes for Coach Harbaugh. If he had some, you know, institutional control that he needed to have over, uh, you know, this team and over staff, then he might still be held responsible even though, um, you know, he was not directly involved. But I think also to your point, if there's evidence to show that not only was he not involved, but he did not know and wouldn't have reason to know, then, of course, you know, I, I think, I think again, clearly, like you said, he should be reinstated and be able to coach these last three games and, uh, and you know, push the team to a national championship. Jeremy Evans with us. Another flashpoint in this case is just the simple fact that this is being held in Washtenaw County, which is where Ann Arbor is, and the, the judges are largely University of Michigan law grads, understandably so. Um, is is there any impact, you think, on that where that could influence the case? Like, is, is there any chance they, you know, someone tries to move this outside of the county or have judges recuse themselves if they went to Michigan just due to a conflict of interest standpoint? Sure. That's such a good question too, because I think that normally you would say, okay, let's remove this case to uh, another, another county, right? Let's move it to, let's say Indiana, for example, or let's move it to another state and let's just, just have it to where, you know, ultimately, you don't want to obviously be biased in the other direction. You wouldn't move it, you know, towards Michigan State, right? But, <laughs> um, but, but clearly, you would want to have some sort of level of neutrality there. Now, I will say this: I think judges, you know, go through a significant ethics process, and the canons that they have to follow are pretty significant in terms of the ethics and the neutrality rules. But that being said, your point's well taken in that you know ultimately. If, if these, you know, judges are all Michigan fans, there might be a bias there, but there's a timing issue here, right? Because Harbaugh is, is asking to be reinstated for these next three games, uh, or I guess next two games, I should say, because he's already sort of, you know, the, the third one was already sort of served, if you will. So there's really not much time to move this to another county um, or even another state. So um, I just don't see a judge you know, missing on this point. I think they're probably going to hear the case and make the decision. And of course the same goes for Harbaugh. There's not going to be any time really to appeal this unless he really wants to coach the last game. So he may have a couple bites at the apple, uh, but you know, that's yet to be seen as whether he'll be successful. Now for, for the record. So uh, Carol uh, Kunky took over the case uh, in Washtenaw County. Timothy Connors recused himself due to being a former Michigan football player. So there's still that Michigan uh, impact on the case, but that's where things are at with it as the moment stands. Right. Right. Exactly. Jeremy, the so, limited, you know, Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, please. <laughs> the, the limited amount of, of legalese that I understand is when it becomes, when it comes to ruling on cases, you look at precedent and, and is there any precedent and, in this case, and obviously, how does that affect the impact of, of what direction this case goes? You know, in my mind, I look back, and this 
it, it, it actually brings up a larger discussion too about like coaching discipline in football, right? Because in my mind, I look back and you look back at even Ohio State with, with Coach Tressel and, and some of the issues that he had. You look back at really most circumstances with, uh, with college football coaches. You know, you had Pete Carroll who left USC uh, and then went off to, you know, coach in the NFL. You've had many coaches who have had potential issues with the NCAA only to leave the team, right, and, and go coach somewhere else. And then you have these coaching buyouts and everything else. So I think it calls into question a potential for change in the NCAA and whether discipline follows coaches and whether buyouts are proper or should be allowed. I mean, obviously, these are private contracts, so you really can't change much of that. But to me, to your question, a, a couple things stand out to me. Number one, not in my mind can I remember a time where a university advocated on behalf of the coach, which I think shows the appreciation and trust that they have in Harbaugh, who, to, in my mind and knowledge, has never had any significant discipline uh, issues or any sort of institutional control issues. So that, to me, is very significant that the school filed this. I also think that another significant part of this is that Harbaugh has never been involved in anything. There's never, there's not any history that I'm know, that I know. Of, please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, where Harbaugh has done anything wrong, and so I think that's going to weigh heavily uh, on behalf of, uh, of 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 a judge because they're going to look at that and go, wait a second, the school is filing this, challenge the conference, and then secondly, Harbaugh's never had any, you know, anything you know, sort of put against him in, in this regard. So those are two things that I think are significant and I think differentiate his case from maybe past cases where coaches may have been involved in other situations or other allegations surrounding it. Uh, and, of course, the fact that Harbaugh is still there. Normally a coach moves on, you know, and they're, they're like, oh, okay, you know, like this, this is a bad situation, let's move on. Whereas the school is sort of doubling down and said, no, we're not moving on, Harbaugh is still here which tells me that they either, you know, have uh, more evidence that sort of shows that Harbaugh was not involved um, or just that they just trust him or the other piece being that, hey, you know, they're going for a national championship. So I think all those things are probably in the mind of the judge and, and uh, of course, the university. Jeremy Evans, a sports lawyer and host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast on the Believe Network. Thanks for coming on this morning to break everything down and uh, – We'll continue to monitor this situation, hopefully get some news on this on Friday. All right. Well, thank you both, gentlemen. Appreciate it. That's Jeremy Evans with us. Coming up on the other side, a $100,000 mistake on the job, and anyone can see it. We'll explain what's going on as we wrap things up. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, a text that came in during the interview, are the judges actually Michigan grads or are you making assumption? Well, I, I told you, <laughs> they are Michigan grads, and that's part of why this case is so intriguing. It, it'd be like right. if this was involving Indiana University and the, the case was in uh, Marion County in Indianapolis, or uh, why can't I think of the name? What, what's the county for, uh, Bloomington? for Bloomington? Um I can't uh, think of the name. Uh, I have no Drawn idea. Drawn a blank. Um, Monroe? Monroe, yes, thank you. Monroe County. In Bloomington, like they'd be IU law grads. This is just how that works when you're the you know premier law institution in the state. Yes, that's how these cases work. So, you know, you can move at a county over. It 
probably wouldn't change anything. You'd have to move states, as he mentioned, to, you know, do you hold it in Toledo? Do you hold it in Indiana? Like, and, and honestly, it's like they. Th- this case is not worth it's that not kind important of, enough to move yeah. this thing. OK, uh, I agree. You know, yeah, we got actual, th- those are things to consider. Right. Because of those factors, actual violent case. crimes yeah. and murders. Well, and and that, stuff that's like, why the Delphi murders case, for example, has been moved yes. um, up, up here. Yes. So final story today. Every construction worker who ever accidentally left their tools at their work site. Well, now you have something in common with NASA astronauts. They lost a tool bag worth $100,000 during a spacewalk back on November 1st. Whoop, just floated away. Yeah. The white satchel can be seen orbiting the earth with a telescope or a good <laughs> pair of binoculars. No about way. 200 miles above the planet. That's awesome. Uh, Jasmine Mogbelli and Laurel O'Hara uh, the bag got away from them during a maintenance spacewalk on the International Space Station. I feel like NASA equipment, like there's probably a flathead screwdriver in there that's for <laughs> some reason $28,000. <laughs> probably. So but, the, the tool bag will meet its fiery fate around March, uh, where it will uh, it will remain in orbit a few months, then d- descend, and then disintegrate in the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, uh, that's fun. But the, yeah. uh, of, of the amount of money of the budget for NASA, I'm sure it's a drop 100000 I mean, still. that's that's like... Throwing away a dollar. Pretty much. That's uh <laughs> if that, a penny, probably. But it's also we're trusting these this this uh to, for them to get back to the moon with people and they're, you know, just letting letting tools go. <laughs> it's a little concerning to me. Absolutely. All right. Final chance to text brass to four six eight six two. Again, brass to four six eight six two for a four pack of tickets to IU Michigan State. Uh Thanks to Jeremy Evans for joining us for Justin Kinney. I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick Show abbreviated edition is next. We have Comet Hockey, 10-15 pregame, 10-30 puck drop. As the K's in action at Cincinnati today with a, a rare morning game. And then we'll have uh, Colin Cowherd after Indiana Sports Suite with Jim Coyle and the Sports Rush with Brett Rump. All from 4 to 6 here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.